gentlemen, this episode is with Luke Sullivan. He's a man that wrote the book. It was one of the few required readings at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and so many other undergraduate advertising programs. If you don't recognize his name, you might recognize his book, Hey Whipple, Squeeze This, A Guide to Creating Great Advertising. And after 32 years in the advertising business at elite agencies like Fallon, the Martin Agency, and GSDNM, author and speaker Luke Sullivan is now retired. Even though he's retired, he's still releasing the sixth edition of Hey Whipple. Uh, this, that will come out mid-February. In addition, he still blogs and offers speaking engagements on his website, heywhipple.com. He was recently the Advertising Department Chair at the Savannah College of Art and Design, also known as SCAD, but you'll learn what happened there early on in this episode. It's an instant classic. I reread Whipple in preparation, and you should reread it too if it's been some time, and if you haven't read it yet, you gotta get it on your list. We talk about breaking into advertising, and he talks stories and gives plenty of advice. You have to listen to this episode no matter where you are at in your career. But before we start, Luke and I mentioned Chicago Portfolio School a couple times in this episode. Chicago Portfolio School preaches very similar things that Luke says today. It's a one-year program that will help you break into advertising and some of those legendary agencies too, like the ones Luke mentions today. And you can visit and learn more about them and their work at chicagoportfolio.com. Or you can talk to me about it. You can also connect with Luke by visiting our Instagram at breaking and entering pod on Instagram, one word, breaking and entering pod. There you will see his recommended resources tailored just for you. You have to go there though. Now, on with the show. And before I even begin, I want to mention I was a sophomore when I first read this book. I was worried about breaking it. And then now I'm on the other side. It's been a wonderful moment talking with this author, talking with you all. I'm glad to share it with you. So here's the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Luke Sullivan on the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. Luke, I am so excited to have you on. I've read your book, and I'm sure most of the listeners have read some iteration of your book in college by requirement. That's what we had to do at U of I. So I'm excited to have you on to talk about your book, um, what you're doing, and of course, advice you have. Cool. For our listeners. It's cool. going to be awesome. Gino, let's wait here just for a minute for the audience. The applause to die down. It's a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's, definitely. It's crazy. People were knocking on my door at the green room. Yeah. I, I'm really sick of this shit. I really am. Yeah. Um, uh, it. It's nice to be here. So thanks for having me, Gino. Thanks for coming on. I mean, like I said in the beginning, like I read your book my sophomore year, and we talked about it before. Peter Sheldon was my professor at University yep, of Illinois. Nice guy. You know, yep. I'm sure you know a good amount of the, my past guests on here. And I know all my guests probably know who you are. But tell us about yourself. Who is Luke Sullivan? What are you up to today? Um, let's see. That's kind of personal. So let me get personal back at you. And at, at Gino, I want to know, uh, I want to know your um, your how you identify as a gender. I want to know, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I identify as male. 
and I'm 67 years old, and I taught, I worked in the business for 33, 34 years at what many would regard as elite agencies, you know, the Martin Agency, uh, uh, Fallon, McGilligot, um, uh, certainly. And, um, and then uh, I, uh, I got out of the business in 19, uh, no, 2011. Uh, and I became a teacher at um, Savannah College of Art and Design, which uh, the kids there get a very good education, but I have many, many, many problems with the management of that joint. Uh, I was just forced to resign uh, because okay. I did not want to teach on ground uh, during a, you know, the COVID crisis. You know, the Georgia map was bright red, and I said, no, I'll continue teaching online. And they said, no, that's breach of contract. And uh, forced me to resign and find find me five thousand dollars to boot. So um, I say fuck them. Fuck them. Yeah. Um, but I, you know what? God, I enjoyed doing that, and I miss all those kids. I really felt very bad last fall when that happened because there were you know some eighty kids signed up. You know, we were just talking about Chicago Portfolio School there and mm -hmm. how it's hard to move classes around and to maintain the inventory of professors and class loads, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And suddenly, uh, with two days before class, uh, 90 of these kids said, just what? So I felt pretty darn bad, but nothing I could do about it. Um, right. Yeah. Right. So uh, now I'm retired. Um, I just spent the entire, well, I, it feels it was almost an entire year. I decided to rewrite uh, a new version of Hey Whipple um, January 8th last year. I keep a diary, so I know these things. And, okay. uh, yep. And, uh, it, I wrote, I wrote and studied and wrote and studied and researched and wrote and studied and researched all year long. Uh, they told me they need the manuscript by August 31st. So it's about what, uh, nine months, uh, eight months of, uh, of work. Um, and it was a, a good amount of work. The deal is I, I wasn't working during the summer. So it was, you know, a good 10 hour day of writing and researching wow. for all that time. Um, I'm really proud of the sixth edition. You just showed me a minute ago. It was yeah. very kind of you to talk nicely about the book. Yeah, there you're showing me that first edition cover from the year 1998. Gino, how old were you in 1998? Uh, probably one, one year, <laughs> one year old. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, both both that book and you are outdated now, my friend. Yeah, it's you're yeah. just outdated. Uh, I'm kidding you. Um, uh, the sixth edition is just is just far and away the best one ever. Um, I've up, I update them every every edition. This is the sixth one, and I try to add uh, new work, but I also try to cover the, the huge changes going on in the industry. What's so different from this first one to the latest one? Oh my word, that first one! <laughs> this first one's good though. It's oh, got you're very the, kind. The, the fundamentals. Yeah. Uh, that, good. Well, the, you know, the fundamentals are good. And you know what? Interestingly, the first chapters of the sixth edition are, are, are they're not unchanged, but they are just updated. But the least, the least changed of all the chapters in the book is the, is the how-to concept part and the, some of the fundamentals, the blocking and tackling. Some of those essentials do not change. And so, yes, I did. I could lift uh, some paragraphs unaltered from the first edition here okay. and there. But um, it, there's entire new chapters. I don't know how I put off rewriting the copywriting chapter as long as I did. But that, uh, that is a fat new chapter, completely reworked. Also, the, la the last chapter on how to get a job and how to prep your portfolio. And uh, uh, that one, um, I taught a class, as they probably teach a Chicago portfolio class, 
uh, at SCAD, it was called Career Strategies in Advertising. And um, it was all about getting a job. And I taught that for many years. And so I took all the learning and the lectures and everything that I studied and researched and found out along the way and updated, uh, severely updated that last chapter in Hey okay. Whipple. So it's, it's yeah. Yeah, there's some good stuff. What what can you talk about some of those changes that you made recently? Maybe allude to some of those without giving them all away that can help our audience as they're uh, breaking into the industry. That's the whole point. Sure. Well, of this podcast. Uh, well, how about this? Uh, let me let me just I'm gonna crack open um I'm gonna crack open um uh chapter 17 here. I haven't got a copy here, I'm just looking at the original manuscript. Okay. Its title is called Just Start World War III, which is my cheerful way. It's the subtitle is what it takes to get into the business. And as I um, uh, lectured my uh, students, I, I made a dark joke over and over and over again that uh, you're not going to get a job. It's not going to come find you. You have to um, you have to go. You have to go out and beat the bushes to find it. And it's more than just sending out. I mean, I had so many kids who in the very beginning would say, oh, I'm really ready to go. I sent off five emails to my <laughs> to my wish list agencies. And uh, that is not World War III. That is a skirmish in the bushes out in front of your house. Okay. Uh, World War III, in my, in my class, uh, the, the kids had to do what I call a, um, a, a hit list. And the hit list is uh, a list of 100 agencies that you would be willing to work at. Uh, sure, your dream agency is all up at the top there. That's fine. But it wasn't the assignment wasn't completed if you sent me in your dream agency. You sent, I want to see every agency you can possibly see yourself working at. And I don't want to just see the damn name. I want to see the recruiter's email and recruiter's phone number. I want to see uh, oh, wow. I want to see the phone, the email of a junior art director or a junior copywriter that you're going to start networking with. I want to see the list of the current clients right there so that when you write your 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 uh, when you begin World War Three with your huge email blast out there, you'll be able to customize each email to each one of these agencies so that you can open with. And I usually used to give this sort of my here's my virtual email, you know, uh, email out to a recruiter, you know, dear Janet. Uh, my name is Luke Sullivan. I just graduated uh, as a copywriter from from um, Champaign Urbana. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 I would love to. Uh, I would love to work at your the Martin Agency. I'm crazy about the work you guys do for, you know, Oreo. Oreo. Um, yeah. uh, um, uh, here's a copy of my. Here's the here's the link to my portfolio. And as for me, and then this is always the tough part for the kids to write. But you really do need to write a single sentence. I try to keep it to a single sentence that humanizes you in some way, shape, or form. Because these poor recruiters get these emails by the metric shit ton and they have to make a quick decision and if you can add if you can leaven your otherwise you know hard-working fact-packed little five-sentence email with a little one sentence that says something that brings you to life and, and the one i used uh, I, I just wrote it one day five years ago and i plugged it into the lecture and never changed it um, as for me, uh, as a, as a writer, I'm also a reader and my favorite things are my collection of first edition Ray Bradbury, uh, science fiction novels. Okay. Uh, I love the smell of books. Uh, this isn't too creepy. Other people like it too. Something like that. Okay. So here, you know, I'm talking about how the books smell 
and I'm trying to get a job, but what it says, it's number one, it's relevant. Uh, I've humanized myself. I've credentialized myself already with where I went to school. I've told them why I've come calling to their agency. It didn't just, this is not a mass ass email. Mm -hmm. If you cannot say why you want to work at an agency, why should anybody give a shit listening to your your email? It's like, it says, I don't care where I work. I'm going to email this to you. Mm And then you close off with a little bit of humanity. In this case, it is relevant as a writer. I read. I want writers who read. And, uh, right. and I, add, I added this quirky little thing about book smell. So uh, that's an example of, uh, of one of the assignments we had in my class. And it's covered well in uh, this chapter, Just Start World War III, uh, in, in the new um, edition. And I love how you, it's world, you're starting World War III. It's a big deal. And then you even mentioned email blasts. Yep. You got to blast yeah. them. It's blitzkrieg. You got to go yeah, hard with yeah. these. I now, love it. Now, and, but you have to leaven that remark also with uh, as part of this uh, presentation I do in class and certainly in the chapter is that, uh, yes, you do start World War III. You start on a wide, wide front. The way I say it is you send in the Army, the Navy, the Secret Service. You send in spies and paratroopers and uh, you, everything, mm-hmm. everything. If you have a loan from a bank, they're going to come find you. Mine did when I was in college, six months after school, ding dong, where's my money? And Mm -hmm. there is nothing more important. These kids know this, but they do need to be reminded that this shit is not going to just happen. And if you want to get in earlier rather than late, then you should start World War III. Uh, Part of that involves, yes, email blasts, but the deal is, and I think you know this too, Gino, is that you don't hound people. You you keep a track of who you've emailed. You, You just keep this all on a you know, some kind of tracking system. You can buy that software anywhere mm-hmm. so that I know who I talk to, when I talk to them, what I said. And if they write back, I keep track of that too. So that you are not, you don't want to be one of these, um, you don't want to lurk. You don't want to, you, you don't want to be a pest. You don't want to be a pest. So no. you don't want to have a restraining order written out to you. You want to give, you got to remember these poor recruiters, they deal with thousands of emails a week, thousands, yeah. thousands. So if if they if your email was written well and it said what it needed to say and why you were came calling and gave your credentials and gave you a quick link, uh, uh, and they do write back to you, oh, this is pretty good. Uh, uh, I'll get back to you. Well, we'll let them get back to you. Right. Take a deep breath. Um, uh, if they liked you now, they're going to still like you two weeks from now. Yep. Yes, maybe they will find somebody better, but you writing within a week is not going to make them like you more. You know what we say, though, here what? is that your network is only as good as your book. Networking won't really matter if your book's not that great. Oh, of course. Yes. No question about it. So focus on the book first. Oh, yes. And then you go start World War Three. Exactly. Well, that's why this, this career strategy class is, is the last thing but, the kids take. Yeah, of course. And um, and it, it all assumes that your um, your book is perfected down to the pixel. Yep. That's when I say, yes, now it's time to start uh, creating the hit list. Uh, I think students don't understand that though, Luke. I think they they we see it here. I and mean, I've talked to students outside other schools and undergrads. I've talked to them. They start creating their website before their campaigns are even finished. Oh, oh. we have uh, uh, we had another class. Uh, I'm sure other schools have similar classes. Uh, this was just called Final Portfolio, and that's really the first. And it was called self branding. That was really the first time in the four year program where. Is any thought given to packaging your work? First, you got to have the work. Yep. 
but I understand it's sort of a, you know, there's something, you know, very pleasing to the ego, to the pride to see, ah, look at that thing. It sparkles. There's some moving elements on it. Oh, it's so cool. Mm -hmm. But it's just bullshit. It's, um, um, it's bullshit until you have absolutely great work. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to change subject real quick. I want to talk about you a little bit. Okay. Add some credibility more so than if people haven't read your book, Hey, Whipple, squeeze this. They're probably pretty foolish for that. They're looking to get in advertising, but let's talk about your break-in because it's set. I, I read here that you love cartoons growing up. Yep. You went, is it correct that you went pre-med for the yep. money? It yep. says here. And yep. I don't know you, then did you go to a psych major? What was your, what was your college route? I said you something. I wrote down history of cereal boxes when I was rereading your book. What, yeah. what was I writing here? In my that notes? stuff. Help. That stuff. That stuff actually is still in the sixth edition, unchanged. It's just a okay. quick history of where I came from. Uh, I luckily grew up with a, a, a very smart mom. My dad was smart too, but he was alcoholic and died when he was forty-five. But Sorry my mom was my mom was a writer, and I'm lucky to have several writer brothers. We're just a family of writers. And it was a very, I don't want to make us look like eggheads, you know, intellectual household. But we were a bunch of Minnesota Democrats who were all pissed off at Nixon. And, uh, and we, argued, we talked Noam Chomsky in the Vietnam War around the, the, the Walter Cronkite in the news at the dinner table. And uh, fairly media savvy from the get-go. Um, uh, uh, I, uh, I was also a nerd. I loved Marvel comics. I used to have a collection which would worth, be worth now hundreds of thousands of dollars had it not been accidentally thrown away uh, after a stay and a quick move out of an apartment complex where that storage oh, closet was not in, uh, emptied. Um, all the, all you know, just complete collection of Spider-Man through probably 100 and Daredevil and Hulk and Submariner and Avengers, all of it. Um, I just loved, I loved... So here's the thing. I'm down to my mom's, my mom's, you know, she's still alive. She's a 98. Uh, wow. She lived for a while on a farm and she, because she was such a good mom, she saved all the things that my five brothers and I did as children, each with their own box. And in this box, one day I went down into her basement. Oh, here's my old box. I'm going through looking at shit. And I realized, and this is before I got into the business, I was still uh, working uh, as an unskilled laborer on, on rehabbing old apartment houses. And I'm down there looking at this thing, and I see all this this box full of cartoons, uh, 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 of comic books, of silly drawings, of stories. Uh, it Two and two went together, and I thought, wow, words and pictures equals advertising. There never was a clearer moment to me in which way I was supposed to go than that. And I came out after that knowing what I was going to do. Uh, not many people get that lucky. My wife knew she wanted to be advertising in high school. It took me a much longer time to get Oh, there. wow. Yeah. Where did she work? She worked at when, the time I met her. She worked at a great place in Richmond called Ford and Westbrook, uh, and then uh, she worked in the Martin Agency, and then she oh, worked wow. at Car Carmichael Lynch. What did she? Was she a writer, art director? A, a writer, Curlin Reed. Wow. Uh, yep, who yep. wrote better ads? Uh, who wrote better ads? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to get her in here before I answer that question. <laughs> okay. Um, She'll probably uh, be listening. So. Well, she's funnier than me. So what does that say? Okay. Um, uh, where were we going with this? Oh, yes. So I got an F in chemistry in my first thing in college. Yeah, before yeah. I before I went down my mom's basement and did that thing. I simply wanted money. I, I grew up rich. My dad was a doctor at the Mayo Clinic, and I wanted give me more of that. Um, nice. But I didn't see any quick direction other than med school. 
Uh, I took psychology only because it interested me after I bailed on pre-med. And even after I graduated with a degree in psychology, what the fuck am I going to do with this? You know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with it? Uh, to this day, I'm just going to shift gears on you quickly. My favorite campaign I ever did in my 33, four years of being in the business was a radio campaign. You can hear it on my website, which is currently undergoing some changes, but it's still there. It's up in the nav bar and it's just a radio and it's called Dunwoody. The Dunwoody Technical School of Minneapolis, Minnesota was a teeny little know-nothing account that Pat Fallon probably took on as a favor to a friend. And uh, it was, it was, it was the reason why it's my favorite work is that the client never changed a single syllable of nice. anything I wrote. Uh, so if it sucks, it sucks because me. And if it's any good, well, I'll take some credit. But it's all there now. And the one of the reason why I thought of it is that my strategy, which I just got to think up myself, was Dunwoody Technical School teaches uh, students how to become uh, plumbers or welders or uh, heating and uh, air conditioning, you know, ductwork people, mm-hmm. you know, real shit, real skills where you can make things. And so, of course, they're graduates, you know, go on to get jobs. So I made fun of schmucks like me who had a liberal arts degree in who the fuck cares? You know, right. I think I really beat up on art history majors. Oh yeah. Um, and it's good to have conflict in your narrative. And so Dunwoody was the place that gave you real jobs for real things that people needed. And uh, I just, I'm very proud of that work. So I had the same problem coming out of uh, my school. I was just kind of a clueless kid with a liberal arts degree that I just hope they restart rethinking all this stuff in all of our colleges. Number one, they all are too expensive. Yes. And uh, number two, there they they need to take a hard a hard look at the practicality of what they're teaching. Yes, I agree. But my question now stands: So you went psych major. What? How did you get your first job? You said you got the well. It took you some time, but you said you got your first job with the legend Tom McElligot. And yep. you said in the book you kind of skipped over this. I think in the first edition. I don't know. If you might have made changes, you I said you got your foot in the door, but how'd you get your foot in the door? How I got my foot in the door was networking, which is covered in the same Just Start World War Three uh, networking. Okay. And my network, because th- this is before the web, this is before fire. Uh, my network uh, included my best friend from college, Steve Wolf, who's just still my best friend. And um, his brother-in-law was named David Bell. If you look him up, you'll see he eventually became the top top guy at a huge holding company. Uh, but at the time, he was the president of a local office of a small uh, agency based in Omaha called, Omaha called Bozell and Jacobs. Okay. I uh, I was delighted to hear that I had a connection there because while I was working at uh, a department store setting typography in their advertising department, that's what I did for a full year before I broke into the business. Yes. Um, uh, I came upon a, a a local awards annual of what they called the show. It's the local Addy show in Minneapolis. And okay. it was just dominated by two particular people who just blew me away. And that's Ron Anderson and Tom McGilligan. And I kept seeing these guys. They were, they had they worked at this place called Lunch Hour Limited. What's that? Is that an agency? And what's this other place? Bozell. You know, Lunch Hour was uh, uh, Tom and Pat, uh, uh, Pat Fallon's. A fun little freelance thing in the side, but Tom got his paycheck uh, from uh, Bozell. And so I went through my Steve to David Bell, sent a thing. 
they said, well, I'll send what you sent to me on to those guys. What I'd made is a really stupid mailer uh, that I just, I'm, I might show it to people nowadays if I'm in the room so that I can talk them down and, and make let them know that I'm not insane what I sent them, but it was a very silly, uh, fluffy piece that obviously is written by somebody with a slight screw loose, but really wants a job in advertising. And so that got their attention. And Tom, one day I was still in that goddamn typesetting room uh, and the phone rang and I was so, I was just hoping, hoping, hoping. And I told the camera guy through the window, uh, I ought to get this phone. It's probably Tommy Gilligan to pick it up. Look, this is Tommy Gilligan and I just about pooped. <laughs> No way. Yeah, so cool. That's awesome. Yes, and everybody's everybody out there is going to get a phone call like this. It's just it's such it's the beginning of a of a new career. I was suddenly being paid to do something I really loved, something I would have done for free. Wow. What was it like working with Tom? Tom Gallagher. Um, Tom is a really really nice guy. I just saw him last summer. Visited him in Minnesota. Uh, he was a really nice guy, and this is on his uh, way up. I was about to say meteoric rise, but meteors don't go in that direction. So I'll just say rocket-like rise. Uh, at Bozell, he was just building steam to open up Fallon. McGill uh, at Rice, he was um, he was he surrounded himself with very smart people. Tom wasn't the only great guy that I worked with there. One of my favorite people is a guy named Dick Thomas, also hired by Tom, who was a writer who died uh, two years ago. Bless his heart. He was a writer, and he was just a lovely man who really took the time to work with a sweaty young kid like me who came in with four-hour-long radio scripts. I would come in to show that you know, they give you a lot of radio back in those days. They did because none of the senior writers really liked radio. I love it. But hmm. they, they, I, I would bring into Dick, I'd say, here's some, here's three radio ideas. And they're just clearly, I didn't do a word count. I didn't do a read through. It was just, hey, isn't this cool? Come on, Dick, read it. And hmm. uh, he had a fan in his office, you know, the little kind that rotates. Boop, boop, boop. And he would, uh, more than once, he took my scripts and fed them into the fan like they was being chopped up. No, uh, to say, look, bring this back when you... Uh, <laughs> You've trimmed it to a recordable length and hand yeah. it back to me without really reading it. Um, God, he was a good man. I really miss Dick Thomas. So working with Tom, Tom was, um, Tom was very thoughtful. Um, all the guys who used to work at Fallon have this Tom McGilligan impression of how he, when he looked down at work standing in front of a desk, he put his hand on the back of his neck and furrow his brow and just think as he waited there nervously. And... Uh, he never, uh, I never saw him brutal. I never saw him do any of that bullshit stuff you hear some, you know, hair bun creative directors do. Um, this is bullshit. Why'd you show it to me? He'll say, I don't think you have anything here yet, or let's keep pushing. But um, he was just uh, nice. And, and, uh, I mean, God, it's great to have a Hall of Fame writer as your first creative director. Oh, yeah. that's uh, That sets the tone very nicely. And I want to yeah. ask you, um, so how did you, so you you saw the work that he was doing. You kind of followed along and you knew that it was this guy, Tom, and you wanted to work for him. So, and that goes again with your, your 100 list assignment, that, that big email blast assignment that we were just talking about. You got to identify those movers and shakers that you want to work for. So my question to you, and you talk about some of these people at agencies, you call them the bully, Pablum Park. You mentioned the concept crusher. Um, you know, these are people that, these are clients, right, that you don't want to necessarily work for. But right. how do you identify 
a great agency to work for. Good versus bad, one that you know defies and one that just serves. What is the process today? Well, you tell me, what do you think Jeff Epstein there at Chicago would say? What what would his answer be? Because it's gonna be the same as mine. I'll tell you. So Jeff likes to, he tells me the difference between a good and bad agency is one that is a service agency that just kind of gives the client what they want, right, right. that punts on fourth down. Yep. And then a great agency is one that kind of punts on seventh down. And <laughs> <laughs> as he says, yep. um, so well, it's how, one how would he say, how would he say you go about finding these uh, seventh punt, seventh quarter, seventh down punt agency? Sure. Um, I think what he would say, and I haven't had this I think he, what he would say is that you need to get in the in the system. You need to talk with them, and you need to figure out who the people are that are making these ads. Yep. And you know, you got to get a feel on the inside. There you go. Having well, those conversations. Exactly, exactly what I would say. Uh, I, I list in the book uh, several great places to begin your search of, for agencies um, uh, to see their work. Um, the one show and CA annuals are used to be the most reliable place to do it, but mm -hmm. the, the annuals, I think they may have stopped doing them now because so much work is digital. Yeah. Uh, and so it's generally going to be an online search that you're doing. Um, but still the one show, if you go to oneclub.org mm -hmm. right now, you're going to see a long list of last year's winners with the creative in there, as well as the names of the agencies and the yep. writers and art directors and creative directors. How, where else are you going to find this stuff except places like that? Uh, I when I was writing, Hey Whipple, I was also turned on to a really incredibly cool site, um, that, uh, that can film festival wanted to take down. What the smart kids, I finally oh, met these. Oh, yes. I know yeah. what you're going to say. Yeah. yeah, I finally met these kids because uh, I wrote them an email after I found this site. And I said, you guys are fucking geniuses. Right. Didn't they create like a unblock? They, they yeah. created a free system yeah. to see all the can winners. Yeah. That there was a paywall before. Yep, there was a paywall. And it didn't do a, a coding thing. They simply took the list of winners and found them in other places and then re-aggregated mm -hmm. them on their own site, which you can still see. And they've expanded that. I met these kids. Uh, uh, They're both. Uh, they were uh, at least one of them was at In Ocean, uh, and I, uh, as a payment uh, repayment, I said after we're all done, after I'm done writing this text, uh, um, I, I actually I asked. Uh, it was her, a, a woman named a Vietnamese woman, I think, named Win, and I asked her, um, "Is this going to be taken down by uh, Can again?" She says, "No, it, it's they can't do that the way we've got it built." Um, uh, uh, and so I said, good, I'll put it in the book so that it you know, can stand. Good. And this site is called lovetheworkmore.com. Perfect. And they've That's expanded great, great it. it. They've expanded it. Now they went back, I think, four or five, six years, you know, you know, the can 2017 award list. You go on that site, go to the year, and she lists it. Gold winners, silver winners, bronze winners. It's fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. And there's no better place for juniors and uh, juniors in this business. Uh, seniors, I don't care who you are. Yeah. This is what we did at Fallon and, and Martin. We always studied the best work in the world. You need to have a repertoire built up in the uh, in your in your brain. You need to know the good work, no matter where you're at in your career. Yep, you need to know it. And so uh, there's other places listed in um, uh, Hey Whipple. Um, mm -hmm. That that chapter. Other resources. Uh, resources to to make sure that you know. I love the quote that you said. Um, you said um, somebody handed you a stack of CA annuals yeah, when you first cool. started, and you yeah. said, "This is your advertising grad school right here." Yeah. This stack that was, of CA. That was McGilligan. That was McGilligan. 
And the stack wasn't as, as tall as those stacks it came to be eventually. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it must have been just 10, 10 New York art directors and one show annuals. And that's what I was handed my first month when they didn't have quite enough work to keep a sweaty little writer busy. Um, uh, and that was my first ad school, reading and reading and rereading and reading the body copy and reading the scripts and taking in everything I could. I, I, tell, them, I tell my kids, if you're an apprentice now, what do apprentices do? They work with masters. So you study the masters. Yeah, yeah. That's what Jeff says too. Oh, yeah, that's uh, cool. Um, okay, I, I kind of want to leave it off with your idea of the creative process. You note the James Webb process, but for kids that might be in, in undergrad right now, they might not be getting the opportunity to work on a portfolio just yet. But what can they expect for their career? If they're going into this and they say, hey, I want to be a copywriter or an art director, what are they going to be doing for the rest of their career? What does that process look like? And is, is it the same process or has it yeah. changed? I think it's the same process. The deliverables are different. Uh, mm -hmm. The thing that most disappointed me uh, for, with student work is I you know, did, did it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Even the students that eventually you know, got it and were very smart and very prepped, um, they came in with five good ads. Hey, what do you think? And I said, this is a very nice first page. Can you bring in a hundred more, please? Yes. Uh, it, it, this this, uh, this uh, rush to closure is, uh, is basically a reaction to anxiety. When we face an empty page, we feel anxiety. I worry, am I, am I cut out too much for myself? I'm, I'm not going to be a good writer. If I can't think of an idea right now, I must suck. And there's a hundred things telling you that you suck, including yourself. Um, and you want to reach a conclusion this is it and then if i can just get the creative director to like one of these five <sighs> the anxiety goes away right. but you learn you learn number one to deal with the anxiety because it's never going to go anywhere ever as long as you're a creative person you will have anxiety because you want to make something beautiful and none of us are capable of making something beautiful every time so you sit down and you you try to come up with something beautiful let's just say we'll, we'll talk about a stinking ad um and I always drew, I, in fact, in the new edition of Whipple, I drew a page of one of my notebooks. Um, uh, and I would fill it with the nine, uh, looked like eight and a half by 11 squares. I just it didn't mean, I wasn't thinking print necessarily. I, I just needed a square to focus on. Yep. And I focused on that empty space and I, I the, the rule was fill it with something interesting. Don't fill it with an ad. Oh, if you want to do a headline, fine, throw it in there, but it better be fucking interesting. Is it a visual? Is it a something? Is it clip art? Is it a website? Is it, what is it? Why should I look at this fucking square? Um, and you sit down and I try to fill, I don't know, six, seven pages of, of, of nine ideas each at a, at a, at a sitting. Okay. And three-hour sittings are really the, generally a, a, a good level. I read somewhere during my research that after three hours of banging your head on something, you're probably going to get to a little reduced return. Uh, yeah. And so you should take a break. Um, uh, and that's generally how I worked. And I would try to cut my working day into two big chunks of three-hour sit sits. Now, of course, that was when I was just a lowly copywriter, and I was more in charge of of how my day went, but once you get into the management and creative director stuff, mm -hmm. it, that disappears. But as long as I was able to, I tried to manage my own time. I also read recently a marvelous couple of books I've read on, on managing your own creative energy and your time and your brain, uh, that you should um, 
you should arrange your day with like activities. So try to do all your bullshit at a certain time. I generally try to do that right after lunch when everybody's a little tired and uh, my brain's a little like meatloaf. That's when I'll do the fucking emails and the expense reports and the, yeah. and the meetings if I can. And I would save my creative brain for the morning and then yep. maybe after five cups of coffee starting around uh, three. Uh, my wow. best brain was in the morning. So yeah. best part of the creative process, number one, is n knowing when your brain is 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 ready and and, uh, and then optimizing your day around that and then not settling for five fucking ideas. Uh, I still remember uh, uh, Alex Bogusky saying a client just killed some brilliant campaign and it was apologizing and, and uh, Bogusky said, that's okay, we'll make more. And yep. he could. He had he had an army of uh, of of tireless. Well, they were all tired, tireless uh, kids cranking that stuff out. And he knew he could marshal those resources. Well, now you're your own army, and you have to marshal those resources and make more and more and more. You make you you write until, as my friend um, who wrote the book Junior, he says, write until you go stupid. Just write until you are stupid and somebody has to come in and take the pen out of your hand and and, and leads you outside for an iced tea. Yep. I'm looking at your, the book right now. It's like when you wrote the, the you showed us the sample of your headlines for the bourbon. Yeah. That, is that is that in the latest edition or has that changed? Uh, no, that has not changed much at all. But that is not all the headlines I wrote. I'd say that's oh. one, one twentieth. Right. Because there's so many. And I love the way how you tacked you tackle the different subject areas on how you can speak about the age of bourbon. Yep. You talked about age ideas itself, like how old the bourbon is, the history of the brand, that's time, the Kentucky ideas, how you drink it. I mean, and then you just, you categorize your thinking uh -huh. and then you can go from there. Now, some Those people words. will say, we can't do that. Our agency, uh, that was at Fallon where th there was a lot of strategic uh, wiggle room because uh, strategy trusted creative and likewise. And, and as long as we were, uh, on tone and saying the right things somewhere along the line, everybody was happy. But um, sometimes you get this brief that says, this is what it must say, da-da-da-da. Well, first answer to that is answer the fucking brief. Just do what's said. You don't have any argument, any argument until you answer that brief. Once you've got that nailed down to, to your satisfaction that you think this is the best I can do and I'm happy with this creative expression on this fucking brief, that's when you take these other angles that I mentioned in that chapter is uh, maybe the brief isn't coming in and it's from the right angle. Maybe they shouldn't be talking about, about the, 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 the beautiful color of this, uh, this bourbon as it goes over the rocks and talk instead about what nine years of aging in a wooden barrel does to, to does to the bite of a bourbon. Um, yes. uh, it, it's that exploration, which is just essential to the creative process. And it, you know, while a strategist, especially smart strategists, do a lot of that work for you, it, the, the finished brief is just not etched in stone. It's just not. I love that. I love your relationship with with strategy in this book because it's not permanent, like you're saying. You wiggle around it. You can reframe the strategy. You're. It's not. It's not etched in stone. Is what you what you say and what you preach in the book. Yep, yep, yep. Now there is a whole new chapter in this new book called um, "Tell the Truth and Run." And um, it is about strategy. Okay. Um, I now give a, a big lecture that I, all of our audience listening can hire me to come to your agency. 
a nice. big lecture on strategy that I'm very proud of. It too took me a full year of research to gather these thoughts and put them down as compellingly as I can to say, and it's this is called a creative writes the brief. And you know, everybody thinks creatives, they don't care about strategy, da da da. da. Of course we care about strategy, you fuck. It, it's just that the strategies that we get, and generally the creative briefs we get are just not very well thought through. They're just sort of something some junior account person wrote and got it approved, and now they just want you to stick to it. But um, uh, strategy, the other mistake I saw with my kids do in class is they, they want to just, they have to write their own strategy. And so it's kind of boring. They come in, I'm going to do ads. So come on, I want to do an ad. And they just rush off uh, uh, willy-nilly uh, and want to do an ad. And no, you can't do that. You have to figure out what it is you're going to say first. Mm -hmm. So in this chapter, Tell the Truth and Run, uh, on saying the right thing the right way, I combine two big lectures that have one on authenticity. That's you, the word. Yep. There you go. Good. I'm glad you're following. Authenticity. If, if what you're saying doesn't ring true, I don't care if it's true. Yep. If, if it doesn't sound true to this audience or if it doesn't sound true to the brand, it's bullshit. Yep. Right? And most briefs are bullshit because they're just trying to make you believe something that you're probably not likely to believe. I asked Remy James, one of your past students, current teacher here at Chicago Portfolio School. I go, what's the one thing that you really took away? from you know taking a class with Luke it was authenticity oh my god that's so cool that's all I said yeah well it's the first lecture I give in any class graduate freshman or otherwise because yeah. mostly kids come into the class thinking they know advertising and you know to a giant degree they do because they've grown up steeped in this stuff but it's all 97 percent and it's terrible it's just bad what was your theory on I think Remy was also telling me that and he has an episode. I keep saying Remy, go listen to his episode after I this. Um, that's for our listeners too. But he also said that you were saying, I believe it was you, he was saying that advertising is too good nowadays. What is that accurate? You're saying that there it, it is too 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 focused. Is that was that accurate? I don't remember this offhand. It may have been something I mentioned to, to uh, Remy, but I'd have to be given the context in order to. Okay agree oh yeah now i know what i meant by that so okay. i don't i don't know i don't recall exactly either but it, yeah. it sounds it, it seemed interesting at the time so these two concepts of authenticity and then the strategy in the brief i've combined into one chapter and they really belong together because until you get a strategic brief that is based on authentic truth mm -hmm. everything else is bullshit. doesn't matter how cool your ad is how it just doesn't matter so the strategy is everything, whether you call it the key message or the or the brand strategy, whatever it is, it has to be based on truth. Tell the truth and run is an old uh, uh, Yugoslavian proverb, and I just stole that for the title. I love it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great information in, in your book. So where can they find this latest iteration? Is it out now? Where can we buy it? Where what what's the situation with your latest book? Well, I don't want to I don't want to cause traffic accidents by just saying where they can find it. I mean, people could die, do you know? Yeah, they're um, going to be people could running die. on the streets. People could die. Uh, no, it's uh, uh it's coming out um uh February 23rd on Amazon. Oh, it's coming. This is uh, good timing. Uh yeah, cool. Um uh, uh February 23rd. I, have, I haven't seen a copy yet either. It's mm -hmm. really a delight to get as an author to get a copy of a book you wrote because um, yeah. all that work is just condensed. And this is the one I worked on hardest of all six editions. 
I poured over this son of a bitch, like, and I've rewritten things. And the day before I sent it off, I had to change something in the social media chapter. I had a really was lucky to interview uh, Andrew Keller, who was used to be a huge big shot at Crispin during its most radioactive days. Yeah, they were who, awesome. Oh, they're, they're still pretty awesome. But yeah, this was they then, were. Yeah. Shit. And uh, Andrew's now a, a big shot at Facebook. And, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and um, I had a meta. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And uh, and uh, I had a good long interview with him and with another strategist from Facebook who's now retired, Andrew, uh, Andy Blood out of uh, Auckland down in New Zealand, who helped me a lot with the book. And those two guys helped me reframe my thinking on social media and how to build brand ecosystems using these, you know, various uh, various technologies that that make up each one of these. Twitter Can you make me enjoy that? If I read it, will I enjoy it? Because I don't enjoy the social media. I don't like social media. Yeah, there, I said it. Well, that's cool. Uh, some people are, are just like that way. I think I begin that chapter with saying some people, uh, you know, kind of look down their nose at social media. But I tell students of the craft, well, dude, guess what? You're going to have to get over that because this is where clients live. They love every minute of it. It doesn't mm -hmm. cost them nearly as much as any paid media. They can track the results in real time. Yeah. Uh, so you're says, talking about a little bit of earned social, like that kind of you know, the, the unpaid portion of it. Uh, well, uh, yes. I mean, you can, there's, 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 there's paid media, which you can buy your way onto Facebook right. or, you, or you can have just your free Facebook Organic. media with your own feed. Uh, and then the earned media, of course, is the sweet spot. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, no, I, I cannot make anybody care about it. It really is a personal feeling. Um, I certainly felt that way for a long time. It just felt um, like bullshit to me. But, you know, the world changed. Right. Uh, the world changed and people live and breathe this stuff. For the longest damn time, I looked down my nose at TikTok. Sure. And I had to get over that in order like, to, yeah. to, to rewrite. I, I was the same way and now I, I love it. Yeah. I love TikTok. I'm on yeah. it all the time. Well, then you do like social media then. Yeah, I don't like the advertising space for it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, well, I pulled a, I interviewed the top guy, uh, technological guy at Fallon, smart guy. Um, and uh, he gave me this great case history they did for Arby's. Uh, we want our TV back. And it was done entirely on TikTok. And the coolest thing that I learned from him now, what is his name? I'm going to, I got to. I gotta give him a little bit of love here. Yeah, give him a shout out. Yeah, it was just so good. Where is it? Where is it? I still get his um. I still get his uh, uh, his um. Damn it. Well, it's in the book. I just can't put my name on it. My my finger on that thing. Um, he told me this. The, he, Andrew said the same thing. Andrew Keller. He said, you should do with social media what other people do with social media. You should do your own. You should make things that can be fucked with. Uh, if that's a meme, fine. Fuck with, your, fuck with your own advertising. The thing I learned from, from both these guys was the sense of play that is just so strong in these heavy users of social media. They're just fucking around. They do, they like interesting stuff. It That's doesn't fun. mean it's, it, they they yeah. like interesting stuff. It doesn't always have to be some a meme joke. It can be as long as it's interesting. Yeah. But for a brand to really engage in, especially on uh, something like TikTok, which is really the least serious of all these um, uh, platforms, in my opinion, is to play. Show up willing to play. 
Yeah, I agree. Cool. It has to be interesting. Interesting, as you said. Yeah, well, the way, the way I put it in the book, and I stole this from RGA, is it has to be um, entertaining, uh, entertaining, useful, or awesome. Mm -hmm. you know, entertaining can be just, oh, that's really cool. I'll share this funny video with my buddy Gino. Uh, useful, oh, Gino needs to have this calculator of some kind of send it over to him. And then awesome is just, what the fuck is that? You know, where anybody would just be, that's... Uh, is what I'm working on useful, entertaining, or awesome? Love uh, it. That's that's the key thing. Yeah, that's a good formula. Better, it's easier said than done. But yep. if you can achieve that, then that's the sweet spot. Yep, 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 yep. I love it. All right, Luke. That's all I got for you. Is can people reach out to you uh, if they have any questions, or do you prefer not to? No, it's okay. Um, I'll, I'll I'll become a cranky old man one day. Uh, but for okay. now, yeah, it's heywhipple at me .com. Hey Whipple at me.com. And um, um, I, I, I generally, I've answered everybody my whole career long. I still get nice emails from people who are now big shots in the business and they say, yeah. Oh, you helped me when I was a junior. And it's so, so rewarding. So I'll still try to be that person. Amazing. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on and all the work you've done and the book you wrote that we all read at University of Illinois. I'm sure other schools too. So, on behalf of all our listeners, thank you very much. You are so welcome. I'll see you later. All right. Have a good one. Did you hear anything on this episode about a job you'd like to have someday soon in advertising, strategy, design, the kind of job where you use your brain and your creativity? If you did, chances are a portfolio can really help you get that job. That's where Chicago Portfolio School comes in. They have programs and classes that help you show off your thinking and get you the job you want. So visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. And if you drop my name, Gino, into the chat box, they'll send you more info and a cool Sharpie or just some more info. You can decide that. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod. It's all one word, breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director. Can't do without you two. And a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz. They're a PR agency, and it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest.